everybody obviously it's getting a little weird for everybody oh 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 I think I might have to go back and check that intro anyway it's been a long quarantine for everybody and uh, the, the best quarantine content creator in my humble opinion I was gushing about him to my friends and my friend was like man you should battle you should battle Luke Wesley. I'm, and instantaneously, my mind was running through all the possibilities of what a social media battle would be. I was like, what would that be? How would you base it? Huh? But then I was like, no, 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 I shouldn't battle. I should join Luke. And then a couple emails later, and Luke agrees to do this. And on 420, Luke sent an email with these tracks. This is Monday morning, where I'm sitting at the piano right here. I'm in my office. And Rage Dog is over there in her office, which is literally five feet away. It's very close. She's got school papers, and she's doing actual work that makes actual money. And I'm over here. I'm making money, too, but way, way less. So that's just the way it is. It's unfair. Like, teachers should be paid less. Musicians should be paid more. That's a joke. Just to fuck with her. Okay, anyway. So we put this... Luke sends me the tunes that he wanted to feature. And one was called Divorce Myself. And I just, I don't necessarily know if I clearly explain this to Luke enough because the remote podcast, although cool, and this will sound good and be clear, it is still hard. But so I think we listened to it like five times Monday morning, then 420 night, I was out for a walk. I was listening to it on loop. I listened to it a bunch of Tuesday. Wednesday, I was out on another walk listening to that song on loop. And then I would listen to Divorce Myself like two or three times. And then I... Changed it up, and there's a tune called Bum 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 by Cass McCombs that I listened to, and then I would go back to divorce myself. So I became literally obsessed with Luke's song. Uh, so I don't know, necessarily know if I did, but he, he has the best content. Just follow him on all of the platforms because he's hilarious. Him and his brother Drew, Luke's always giving your brother, he's doing a lot of the technical and probably creative. This picture that... <laughs> This picture that's accompanying this podcast is literally unbelievable. So thank you, Drew, for making probably the best, no, 100% the best picture that I'm ever going to have a podcast with. That's amazing. My wife wants to caption it, made for each other. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's pretty hot. Honestly, I think it's going to inspire some people to want to have sex. Like you might see that picture and think, ooh, that gets the juices going a little bit. Anyway, let's get right into it because I'm recording this on my headphones. We don't need to overly smash you with medium, medium quality audio. Luke Wesley, he's the man. We're going to play you in this tune, Divorce Myself. I transcribed the lyrics. I have a chart of the tune here right in front of me. Really interesting tune. And actually, I think the first voice he plays is this. Uh, 
phrases of three in the verse. There's an added bar at the end of the first chorus, the next two choruses. There's a half bar that completes itself on the third chorus. In the bridge, he introduces the two chord. It's just all around beautiful songwriting. Check out the drum fills. Yeah, there's only like one kick drum, drum fill. I don't even think there's a cymbal hit. The roads, the vibration on the roads, the interaction of the roads and the guitar parts. It's an overall beautiful track. Congratulations, Luke. And then I asked Luke, in the, oh, you're about to hear it. So anyway, Divorce Myself, I've been listening to this song on loop. It's a pertinent song for quarantine. I hope you find some humans to interact with. Do all the Zoom calls. I have a Zoom call literally one minute. No, minute and a half. You, we, huh. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, please. Be safe, be healthy, drink lots of coffee and booze, and enjoy Luke Wesley Divorce Myself. And I'm always building my own hell
Okay, so here's one bar of count off plus <laughs> plus two beats. Yeah. One, two, three, four, one, two. It'll be good. We're fine. Who I, cares? I think we're good. I, I will be if we have two wave files. We'll, dude. We, you're gonna email this to my main dude, Jason Wexler, and he is going to really do it all. So he's been making a lot of really good looking bread. <laughs> <laughs> he has been making, dude. Every time he posts a crazy food thing, I was like, how much are you working out after all this, dude? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I definitely yeah. I've been I've 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 been getting into the kitchen more than I've ever gotten into the kitchen in my life. Uh and I was doing well for the first like four weeks, just kind of hovering within like a two or three pound range and going back and forth. And then yeah. la- last week I last week I jumped up about four or five pounds and was like, All right, diet starts Monday. <laughs> as in this coming Monday or last no, week? Monday? as in this past, well, this past Tuesday, because Monday was 420 and I didn't do shit. <laughs> in fact, what I did was I, I made a bunch of bread, so I was just eating bread all day on Monday, so that was definitely not the diet starting day. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, you definitely, 420 is, it, it, and it is like legitimately still a holiday to me. Like, it feels like a very <laughs> special day. You know what I mean? I should have outgrown this phase, but I'm like, no, no, no. It's 420 today. Like, like, it, like it's not a thing, you know? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I've never been one to really celebrate 420, and uh, I've just never cared that much about smoking pot, uh, even though I, I've at times smoked a lot of it. Um, yeah. I've just never cared that much about it, but, and I also generally, I don't smoke so early in the day, but like, man, this 420 was just like, what's, who's stopping me right now? You know? Yes. Like, why would I even bother to wait until like eight o'clock at night when I'm just going to sit around on the couch and watch TV all day after I've worked out or whatever? So... Instead, I just didn't work out or do anything, and I just got real high and made bread all day. <laughs> that sounds like the best day ever. That's like a dream day, though, for me. Like, that would be, like, <laughs> the dream. Like, what are you doing today? Smoking weed all day? <laughs> well, I have a thing. I really like to be high and caffeinated. I call it a Java wanna buzz. <laughs> <laughs> do you like do you like like so I, I do on a day I have nothing to do I will smoke really early in the day but then I'll be jacked up on caffeine and I don't know I kind of secretly really enjoy that combination uh it's tough because I've things like memory have always been really tough for me so when I'm just like high all day I just find myself regularly being like what was I doing? (laughs) (laughs) He walked into a different room or something? Yeah, like it is just, and it's not like a, you know, that one time where you walk into the kitchen and are like, what did I come in here for? It's just like all day long, I'm just like a bumbling Alzheimer's patient. Just like no idea what's happening around me and yeah. My memory is garbage. I've never been one for for covering tunes uh, live because I have enough stress trying to remember my own lyrics, let alone some other yahoos. 
Dude, it takes a lot. Some people like just get it. It takes me forever to memorize songs, and then that's why I just have an iPod, iPad on stage. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because you're yeah. just like, fuck it. I can't even fucking. I can't do this. Yeah, I definitely um, understand that. Luke, I am going to crack a beer. Yep. And uh, like informally introduce you. I'm cracking this beer. All right. Oh, right into my microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Luke Wesley, singer, songwriter, and king of quarantine content. I'm secret <laughs> famous right now. Here he is. <laughs> Cheers, Luke. Cheers, Paul. <laughs> mm. I was doing a Zoom call with um, Chris Anderson and Rebecca Havlin, like oh, just yeah. shooting the shit, basically doing what we're doing, but no... But with whatever, you know what it is. So, and I was like, dude, dude, because Chris Anderson introduced me to you. Yeah. I, I learned about you through Chris. And yeah. I was like, Chris, Luke Wesley is on fire right now. I was like, this is unbelievable. This is the best stuff I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris was like, dude, dude, you should battle him. And then I was like, battle him? I, I want to join him. I want to I, I want to be like, I want to... Sp- Follow him like I, like I want to just hang out with him. This this shit is on fire right now. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, I uh, those two are total sweethearts, Chris and, yeah, the and Rebecca. Um, I uh, yeah, Chris was Chris played with me for the first several years on the scene. Um, well, yeah, and uh, those were some good times for sure. Yeah, he's a fun dude, right? He's yeah. he's always down to hang. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and dude, Luke, um so you sent me that email and I swear to god, I have listened and and I really don't say this lightly like cuz maybe I've had a lot of time to stalk your whole social media and listen to your records to fully prepare for this. <laughs> but I have listened to divorce myself more than any song I've ever listened to to prepare for a podcast, bro. That track <laughs> slaps, bro. It is so good. Uh, thank you very much. I I do appreciate it. And I'm I'm coming I, to a place I think in life where I can actually say I appreciate it and really truly appreciate it, and not just like I don't. For for me, most of my entire life has been about learning how to accept compliments. Um, yeah. Without sounding. Uh, like self-deprecating or whatever, and uh, <clears throat> I think I'm finally getting to a point where I can just actually say thank you. I really appreciate that and mean it. Because <laughs> 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 in my mind, for most of my life, every time somebody was like, "Oh man, I really like that song," in my, like my mouth says thank you, and my brain says. Yeah, well, like, what do you know, though? That song's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, what are you critical of, like, your whole thing? You're like, oh, the lyrics are dumb, or the music is dumb, or I can't write songs. You just feel like, do you have, like, the phony, the imposter syndrome, where you're like, I'm not a songwriter, but really, like, that is what you do? Or uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a big part of it. I think that imposter syndrome, syndrome has been something I've just handled my whole life and it's weird because like there's a there's a song off my first album which isn't on the internet yet 
it will be within the next day or two. Uh, a, but it's a, it's kind of a, a diary entry to some degree about moving to New York. And in it, I even talk about the fact that, like, you know, in a, in a songwriter or a musician or whatever, anybody, any kind of performer, I think there's a balance between self-doubt and arrogance. Like, you have to have the hubris to think that anybody wants to hear you, but you also have to be able to keep yourself in check. Otherwise, you won't be able to recognize how and why and when you need to get better. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. that in, you know, as people get older, sometimes one of those two sides takes over and you get somebody that's either, you know, so up their own ass that they <laughs> don't realize that they need to get better or yeah. you yeah. end up with somebody that's so in their head that they can't, they just can't do it anymore. And they like, they've lost the ability to recognize that what they did was great. And to find the kind of like energy to keep going and to keep believing in their own thing, right? Yeah. yeah, I see this. You're right. As we age, it's it's funny how people are kind of like, man, what's the point? And I'm like, what's the point? Like, what do you, what do you mean? What's the point? What else are you gonna do, asshole? You know, like, you can only bake bread and smoke weed one day a week, dude. You can't do that all week. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> What is the song that you were referring to off your first record just then? Uh, it's called I Hope You Like This Song. Ah, it's like track two or three? No, it's actually track nine. Um, it's, it's, it's all the way at the – it's you know it's funny how – like you go into the studio and you have your favorite songs and then you come out of the studio and you've got new favorite songs and your favorite songs just didn't – didn't weather as well in the studio sometimes. Mm. And that was one of those songs that like was a crowd favorite and I really dug it going in. We you know, we tried some things in the studio and things got switched after production and in the end that song just kind of got buried towards the back of the album, which in my opinion it, in the the most forgettable track number out of 10, which is 9. Yeah, 9 <laughs> is a rough one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nine's nine's really where you bury things because it's like if you're if we're talking like traditional album dynamics, you've got like one has got to catch people in the first five seconds, yes, and then two's got to go up a little bit more, and then three like that's your marquee track, mm -hmm. and then four you're gonna bring it back, but it's still got to be a good song, and like this goes on, and then eventually you're like, well, what do I do with this one? Let's just put it at nine. And then give yourself one more strong track at the end of the album. <laughs> the ballad, right? The classic, like, end exactly. the record with the ballad. Yeah, Which yeah. is straight up, I mean, that album is is just like a paint-by-numbers of, of track sequence. Uh, and, yeah, so that track got buried at nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's, like, the darkest thing. I was just going to, I'm trying not to be self-loathing, but, like, yeah, you know, all the songs I write, they're track nines, bro. <laughs> I write nothing but track nines. Yeah, well, you know, here's the, here's the thing that I like a, a place that I've come to f with self-loathing, which is like, uh, you know, I still I still make a lot of I still make self-deprecating jokes for sure. Uh, I just don't I don't believe them with the wild abandon 
that I have more traditionally uh, believed my own self-deprecating comments. I think traditionally my self-deprecating comments were always the truth, but I just said them with a smile so that people would think I was joking <laughs> and not put me on like suicide watch or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and nowadays I'm just better at making jokes about myself without believing them. Oh man, that's <laughs> yeah. I I have the self destruct uh, like gene too. My wife traditionally blames it on my sign, like a Scorpio thing. Are you a Scorpio? Not that I'm into signs. I'm just asking. Uh, no, I'm a I'm a Leo. Mm. I'm not really a science August. person, but uh, yeah, August August tenth to be exact. Yeah. Anybody listening to this that wants to send me things, feel free. <laughs> August 10th is the day. Yes. <laughs> That's my brother's birthday, dude. That's crazy. That's great. Really? Huh. Yeah. Oh. There's there's a but August is like it's a pretty popular month, right? Don't you think? Like a lot of people have birthdays. I don't know. What am I, I talking know. about? I don't know. But I do I did actually recently hear that September is like the most highly trafficked month for babies, at least in America. And that's funny because I used to have an old manager bartending who, uh, it was like many, many moons ago in like my first neighborhood bar job. And she was saying that she feels like September is always a little busier than August because you've got like, it feels like there's more birthdays in September. And then now many years later, somebody was just reading that statistic off to me recently. And I was like, huh. Oh, you're huh. like, she was right. She knew <laughs> she was right. And I was like, yeah. Purely anecdotal and everything, but she was she was still right, I guess. <laughs> That's fascinating. Dude, now that I work in the goddamn wedding band business, everybody wants to get married a Saturday in September. So it's going to be all these, uh, it's continuing that trend because it's going to be all these like anniversary parties or whatever too, you know? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I wonder why September I is so popular for getting married. That seems... Springtime, <sighs> the only pretty ringtime. Birds sing hating... A ding a ding, sweet lovers love the spring. Ooh, very good, uh, very good. That's, I think the weather is just so. I think it has to do with the weather. That's. I think people think that you you're going to get this beautiful fall day. Whatever. Let's not let's not go down the uh, wedding quarter. Luke, how do you <laughs> tell me about tell me about divorce myself, dude? Uh, how did you get the How did you get the concept to sing a song about yourself to yourself about divorcing yourself? <laughs> Oh man, I mean, well, I, I don't know. I'd gotten to a point by the time this second album was being written that I was like pretty deep inside of a hole uh, that I was kind of losing my grasp on, on seeing daylight. Um, and I could see it, but I couldn't, I couldn't really stop it. You know, it's like you're sliding down the, a steep hill that's just a, like a sand dune and you can see the top but like there's there's like you can't stop yourself because there's no catching a grip and pulling yourself out and you're uh you've so for me it was like i i knew that i was really depressed i mean like i was having a conversation around this time with misty boyce mm -hmm. and she was and I was just saying how I was like kind of explaining my general mood recently. And she's like, 
sounds like you're really depressed. And I was like, yeah, I know. Um, and <laughs> I, uh, so I, I was, uh, kind of, I, I decided to take some time off from partying and, uh, I did a hundred days of no fun where I just kind of cut everything out of my life. Um, and I was writing a lot and started to get the feeling that maybe I would make a second album after I'd written a, a lot of the, a lot of the music. Um, and, uh, as a, as a point of exercise, if you're trying to write specifically sitting down and trying to write, you just, at least for me, the way I, I just start to play around until I find my way around to something, um, it wasn't an idea that I had fleshed out or anything when I sat down at the keyboard. It was just something that like slowly formed while I played around. And then once I had an idea, I could build the rest of the song around that. And that's mm. kind of always been the way I've written. Sometimes like I'll bring in some, you know, I've always got notes open in my phone for song ideas or lyrics or phrases that I like. And I'm always writing that kind of stuff down. But there's a lot of times where I just sit down and start playing around at the piano and singing nonsense. I mean, I hate to break the mystique, but then, <laughs> <laughs> but then eventually, that like I'll I'll pull a line out of that nonsense that I that I really enjoy, and then maybe tweak that line a little bit as well and build a verse around it or a, a chorus around it. And then eventually, you know, flesh the entire song out. And so that song, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on that second album that is, uh, I mean, you know, it's got its share of love songs and stuff, but it's also, it's, I, you know, I was in a really, I was in a really, really dark place when I wrote a lot of that. And I think it comes through in the lyrics, like divorce myself, which is a song to myself about how tired of my own shit I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's it's funny too. It's so funny to hear you kind of talk about it too, because it's one of those songs that like so you sent me that email, it's 420, I wake up, and I was like, oh cool. And I put that one on first because I saw, oh, that's such a cool song title. And then I was just like, man, this 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 song bumps like it's almost like a hip-hop beat you know and like and it's very it's one of those songs that you're like oh this is a happy song because it's just like some major chords but then when i started really checking out the lyrics i was like this is so pertinent to how probably everybody's feeling right now where you have to spend so much time inside your own head without your friends you know like holy shit yeah i don't know it really started <laughs> i i just started listening to it on loop as i was walking last night i was like oh man I can relate, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that the more time you spend inside your own head, uh, the more you want to kill the person you find there. <laughs> 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 um, and uh, I mean, I and I think that that's part of always kind of been part of my problems. I just spent too much time in my head, and. Uh, I've really had to learn. 
I don't know, man. It's been a really interesting six months for me, and I'm really happy that if I'm going to have to be locked in my apartment for several months, that it happened now and not like a year ago. Because yeah, yeah. I've just done like a lot of work on myself mentally over the past six months, and it's come out in a lot of different ways, and I've been more productive and whatnot. Um, Is that... Was that like seeking professional help? Was that just more 100 days of no fun? Was that like writing exercises or I don't know. It could be so many different things. I wonder what helped you, you know, mentally dig yourself out of the hole. I, I did. I, you know, I, went, I went to therapy for a few years a few years ago um, and then stopped going because I kept canceling my appointments because I was always waking up hungover and I didn't want to go. Uh, yeah. and I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't get out in front of myself to get out of the way. Um, and, uh, and then I went through a, a really bad breakup with oh, somebody yeah. that I was with for a very long time. And then, uh, bad in the sense that you guys came to a head and you knew it was time or was this like a traumatic, like screaming fights, drunken fights in the street or like. Uh, what is that? You don't have to give me all the details. I mean, I think it was a little bit of everything. I mean, we weren't in, neither of us are utterly insane or anything like that. So arguments were generally kept relatively civil, but still lots of shouting and whatnot. Um, and you know, it was just, it was time, uh, you both, but, you both, you both came to the point where you're like, "All right." Well, no, I mean, she definitely came to that point. <laughs> I, okay. I, I eventually got around to that point, but she definitely beat me to it by a good measure of time. But yeah, I mean, it was, uh, but it was. Uh, it was tough and I, it slowly, like slowly kind of pulling myself out, but I still was just, I don't know, man. I, I, like I had a period of time over this past summer where I was generally happy, but like I'd still make really dark jokes to customers when I was like bartending. And like, <laughs> one time I had a customer be like, are you, are you okay, man? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like. All right. Well, first of all, fuck you, man, for just like thinking there's something wrong with me because I made a dark joke. And second of all, you know, I don't know now that you've asked. (laughs) Um, And uh, and then, you know, in the early fall, something inside of me just kind of flipped and I just started telling myself that I was tired of hating myself so much. Uh and I started eating better and I started exercising and uh, like a few weeks into this process, I, I quit smoking for the, I don't know, hundredth time. Oh, shit. <laughs> yep. I can, I can, <laughs> I can relate to that one. Yeah. But I, I did. And, and every time I wanted a cigarette, I would just be like, man, I'm tired of hating myself. And I just kept like, it was like. It was like one of like a few things that I just had to tell myself repeatedly throughout the day. 
And then like a funny thing happened, you know, about three months into this process, I had lost about 30 pounds and was like feeling healthy and had actually started to, uh, to not hate myself. Um, and it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's a weird thing about mind over matter. Um, it doesn't work when you're trying to, uh, to like move something across the room with your mind. That doesn't work at all. But yeah. what does work is I think that if you keep telling yourself something, I think you'll eventually believe it. And that's a good and bad thing. <laughs> Uh, it can be really good for pulling yeah. yourself out of a hole, but also uh, it can be really good for, you know, if you keep telling yourself really negative things, you'll believe it as well. Yeah. But. Wow. That's an incredibly profound story. And I like how, like, how fucking real and uh, normal you are about it. Because um, so many musicians, dude, me and my friend. We have a joke, uh, Kenny Shaw, like, and this is very mm -hmm. specifically to musicians, when people start telling you, like, man, fucking changed my life, bro, I'm doing all this shit, got a new diet, you know, I'm, like, tracking tracks, blah, 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 and then you ask them, and they're like, oh, it's only been three days. I'm like, three What the fuck are you talking about? You changed your life. You know, like, <laughs> like, shut up, dude. I don't know. Maybe that's like, oh man, I started doing yoga. I'm a vegan. I drink green tea every day. And you're like, oh, how long you been doing that? They're like a week. And I'm like, well, that doesn't. Come on, dude. Like, <laughs> when I'll you keep you that what, up for like a couple months, let's then let's talk. About yeah, it, you know, like you were motivated for a week. I got it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I, you know, I've done that a lot. I think in in my life, I've I've always been very. Uh, hesitant to bring it up with people and be like, oh man, I'm doing this. Unless it's like something, you know, like when I did my 100 days of no fun, that was like, yeah, I'm doing this 100 days of no fun because it's the only thing I had to talk about because I wasn't hanging out very much and like, yeah. you know, whatever. But like uh, outside of that, like anytime I've ever tried to go on a diet or something, I just, uh, I never really wanted to talk about it because of the fact that like, I don't want to be like, yeah, I'm on this diet. It's going really great. I've been doing it for two weeks. And then like <laughs> two weeks later, people are like, how's the diet going? I'm like, I don't know, but I ate like a whole fucking large pizza last night. It's so hard. It's so hard. And it's so easy to like. Like, man, yeah, I'm doing the sober thing. Exactly. And then you drink, like, four beers, and it's like, I just ate a pizza, and then I got hamburgers, and then fuck it, I got ice cream. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And oh. it is, it's another thing, like, another thing, like, one of the other mantras, like, I was saying I had, like, a few mantras of, like, I'm tired of hating myself, and also, uh, like, I would say the other two major things were, one, like, my brain regularly wants to be like, oh, I'll, just, I'll just, I'll grab that, I'll get it later. The thing is that, like, I'll forget about it later, and then I won't do it. And so, like, every time my brain is like, I'll get it later, I'm just like, you'll, you'll get it now, motherfucker. Really? <laughs> get off the couch and do it now, because, like, get Dude. it out of the way. Get it off your plate. 
That's part of the new uh, mental program, huh? That's Do it part now. of the just get get rid of it, like get it off your plate, so that you don't have to worry about it anymore. And then the it other does always feel better when you do that, right? Yeah. That's yeah, I've like I've never gotten up and done it and been like, man, I wish I'd sat on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like why did I just sit here for a couple more hours? Yeah, like why why did I get up and take those dishes to the sink and wash them? Now I could have been sitting on the couch. <laughs> oh, shit, that's like that's it's that's so true. That is so you always feel better after you do something instead of just staring at your phone on Instagram for six hours. Yeah. And I will say, like, nothing, none of this is easy, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. it's all stuff that's, like, a, prog- a work in progress, which is, like, that other, the third point, which is just, like, don't beat yourself up because you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you didn't do it, then you don't, like, if you didn't get off the couch and take your, your plate over to the sink and, and wash it, like, live to fight another day, man. Like, there will be other battles and other plates that need to be taken to the sink. So if you beat yourself up over every small thing that you didn't do, like, you're not going to make it out of the big ones. Oh, that is spoken like a a man in the trenches, you know? Like, you know. <laughs> Uh, I suppose we should probably talk about music some. I've talked so much about my depression in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> well, to me, well, no, I think that's great because honestly, like to me, a good podcast is always like people being like vulnerable and opening up. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I'm dealing with. This is my shit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think that's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I I think that part of my problem is that I've always been a very, uh, I talk a lot, but I don't, there are just a lot of things that I have traditionally always kept inside and not talked about and like hidden away from the world and kind of done this like silent suffering thing where I'm the only person on earth that feels this way. And the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that, like, a lot of people do this. And I would say just about everybody has something that they don't want to talk to people about because they're afraid of how people might react or whatever. And, I mean, like, this past summer I was sitting on my couch with a lady friend, and she was like, I'm really glad that I came over tonight because if I just stayed at home, I probably would have just, like, watched movies and binge eat and i was like oh oh, same same (laughs) i'm really (laughs) wait same wait huh (laughs) um and it just like took you know took somebody who was just like willing to talk about that weakness for me to be like wait like oh oh man okay all right and so and i think that that's the problem is that nobody wants to talk about their they're, they're dents and dings and weaknesses and social media, of course, only makes that, you know, I mean, I've Worse. had, yep. I've had people mm-hmm. who are like, well, it seems like your quarantine's going really well because you're posting all these like funny things. And I was like, yeah, I am losing my mind. Um, <laughs> like I'm losing my mind and it's 
like part of the reason why like my why we post stupid shit online. Exactly. People don't get that. Yeah, yeah. Like my little brother and I have been pretty productive and proactive during all of this, but it's because of the fact that like when I'm sitting still, I'm going crazy and I have like a million things going through my mind. Like I I bartending pays my bills and my backup yeah. Like the only other thing that makes me money is even worse. It's music. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, I like my entire life basically revolves around nightlife and I have no idea when nightlife is ever going to come back. And it's like, I can sit in that all day long and get like drunk or whatever and lose my mind until I don't have one anymore. Or, you know, I can put on a kimono and take a photo and post it to the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Like I can, I can make a video about me trying to find a pandemic partner or whatever. Like it's, this is this is the only thing that's keeping me remotely sane during this time. Yeah, exactly. Like just something fun to take your mind off it, dude. Well, here, like, while you're talking about social media, I'm, I, uh, I'm following all... You have a lot of different storylines or characters going on, so I want to just... <laughs> Let me see. I, th I think I did, I did a deep dive last night. Let me see if I got them all. We have Today's Fashion, Bread, <laughs> The Brunch Buffet, Greetings from Quarantine, which are my favorite, Hurdy Gurdy, Pizza, Zoom plus the phone calls that you don't like. I like that one. The senior picture part, which I really loved. Your shower calendar, which has been a couple updates. Uh, the celebrity's house layouts. You have unexpected wins. You have, I like the uh, the large family thing. We have Luke versus Clorox. Pandemic partner, which is, you went viral. We have uh, Big Head Wesley in unemployment. <laughs> we have Marissa's lighter, which that one I'm still trying to fully understand. <laughs> we also have, you posted a 30-minute clap, apparently. Like, oh, <laughs> that yeah. That was making me laugh. You did a Rubik's Cube in one minute. You also have isolation life, a harrowing boredom. <laughs> and then on March 14th, I have your posting about social distancing. So I think that's... <laughs> That's a lot of the storylines that, I, I, that I was able to follow. But you know, when you when you put it like that, I <laughs> feel more productive than I feel actually. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have like series. This is like I'm watching a whole. I'm watching the channel of Netflix, and you. I was like, he's got so many tabs open, you know. <laughs> and that is not to say. In the last time I saw you in the Rockwood. Um, February, whatever, 15, Rockwood 15 thing, and I became a big fan of, I don't remember the exact thing, but the Venmo comments. What was, what is your name of that one? Oh, uh, Friendmo Request. Friendmo Request? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Friendmo Request was a thing that I, I had, like, actually, I, I got that idea about a week before the whole process of, like, taking care of myself and like pulling myself out of a mental hole started because I just was on Venmo and was like, I, you know, the, the, the public aspect to Venmo has always been weird to me. So weird. I never do a public payment. I just, I mean, I don't really care. And I think most of the payments I make are public just because I don't have it set to private and like i said i don't i don't actually care that much which i don't think a lot a lot of people don't care 
But once I started realizing that, like, you can just go comment on strangers' Venmo transactions, I was Dude. just like, okay, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do this. So I did it several times and, like, posted screenshots to so- social media. And then I was like, yeah. I'm going to start an Instagram account. <laughs> and so we came up with the name friendmo.request. Yeah. And started an Instagram account. And I haven't been I haven't been too productive on that one over the past couple of months. But uh there I know w- you you let it go a little bit, yeah. I let it go a little bit. I needed uh I think I, I think I needed a little bit of distance. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was I was having a lot of fun with that one. And then, you know, like I said, about a week or two before the the you know, the lockdown started, we, I kind of stopped posting as much and then this all happened and I've kept myself busy under Luke Wesley instead of friend request. But yeah, when you, when, when you list everything that I've been putting together, a lot of it has just been like keeping things fresh for me. Uh, yeah. So that I'm less <laughs> bored uh, with it. And some of it's stuff that like, some of that stuff's definitely run its course, um, and I probably won't come back to it again. Uh, but man, I had a lot of fun while it lasted. Because, <laughs> like, and usually there was some sort of impetus for all of them. Like the Frenmo request, or sorry, the the uh, the celebrities home layout things were oh, all yeah. mm-hmm. uh, a, a friend. And where of mine, did that one start? Well, a friend of mine. Uh, she was working at a restaurant in uh, Greenpoint and mm-hmm. it's the one that's owned by Bill Murray's son. I have heard about this. Spot. Yeah. Yes. Every, and, every, every New Yorker has a Bill Murray story. In yeah. Like, and so she, when the shutdown happened, she wanted to go stay with her sister who lives in Westchester. And her sister was like, no, you can't come here. And so instead, she went with her boss and I think of like several other people up to this house in the Palisades. And she sends me a picture. She's like, yeah, this is, this is happening here. It's a, it, was a, it was a fucking basketball court, an indoor basketball court. And I was like, wait, Whoa. what? where are you? She's like, I'm at Bill Murray's mansion in the Palisades. And I was like, wait a second. You work at the restaurant that's owned by Bill Murray's son. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. So Bill Murray's son took a bunch of people up to that house to like ride out the, the shutdown. Yeah. And so I was like texting with her about this. And so I brought up a, like an aerial view of Bill Murray's house. (laughs) In the yeah, Palisades, yeah. and then and then just labeled things, and then sent it to her, and I was like, okay, so is this what it looks like then, or is it different than this? And then I, I just I made like three or four more because it was a really low effort bit. <laughs> low effort bit. I don't know, dude. You can tell you put some time into these. Dude, no, the I Billy mean, Joel one put me in a fucking tears. I was like, oh my God. This is all I, Elton John references. He's I, a piano player. Luke Wesley, the piano player. Yeah. I hate to I hate to burst your bubble, but I want to say I've spent no more than like 
10 minutes on each of those. <laughs> oh, they're uh, good though. I I mean, the Billy Joel one is probably the one I had the most fun with just because of all the Elton John references. And <laughs> since I put a hashtag Billy Joel on that, on that post, I got like randoms who just follow the Billy Joel hashtag. Yes. Who like came and liked it or even commented on it. One guy was like, I don't know. It seems like, uh, seems like you're making a lot of Elton John references here. And whenever somebody would do that, I just play stupid. And I was just like, I don't, what do you, what do you mean? (laughs) He'd be like, well, those are Elton John songs. I'm like, Oh, are they? (laughs) So it's like, dude, you completely missed the point here, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah. like (laughs) You're giving me entertainment right now. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Oh, well, see, that's what I think about your persona that I can understand and relate to is that social media to you isn't necessarily about entertaining other people. It's about entertaining yourself. You know what I mean? You're like, well, this is, I think this is funny. So if 10 other people think it's funny, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, it's why, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody that, uh, that curates their Instagram and like deletes posts that don't have a lot of likes and things like that. Cause like. Also, uh, that's just, to me, not the purpose of my social media. My social media is like schadenfreude, and I just, you know, just throw everything out there. Uh, and maybe you curate it a little bit before it gets to the page. You know, there's, you know, times where you're like, uh, you know, what? maybe I don't need to post that, actually. Um, not everybody needs to know about me wearing this Hitler costume. Just kidding. <laughs> I should keep this uh, this picture of this stash I just cut in. Uh, yeah, I, can, I can keep this off the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, not everybody needs to see everything. Um, but at the same time, uh, I thought it was I thought it was funny and or I thought it was like poignant. Um and especially during this time, uh, there's been a lot more of I thought it was funny, but there have been some things that I thought were important and that people need to see them. And uh, and so I've shared them, which is like the only other time that something that I had went viral during all this was my buddy Mark lives across the street from Wyckoff Heights, a hospital here in Bushwick. Yeah. Yep. And he, we were in like a text conversation with a few other people and he posted photos of them setting up the first mobile morgue. Yeah. Uh, and I was hey. like, that is nuts. Do you, do you mind if I share this? Because I don't think people are seeing the real reality of what's going on. They're seeing yeah. abstract numbers and phrases and I think that this is something that people should see. And he was like, yeah, sure. And in the end, uh, like Time Magazine and ProPublica sent people over to his apartment to interview him and his fiance and take photos. And then that kind of exploded that whole street. Uh, and they built like walls so that photographers couldn't just take photos of what was going on. But Jesus. Eventually, wow, after that's they, yeah, after they'd set up the third mobile morgue and were building shelves for it, he was like, uh, "I'm out, guys. 
we're going to my fiance's parents' place in Long Island. I can't, I can't live across the street from this any longer. Really? Yeah. He yeah. was that. Yeah. It, you know, it's just out your windows are just like chaos and death for weeks. And eventually you just say, no, I, I, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, and so that was one of the, one of the more, far more rare times where I was like, this, this is important. But most of the time, I think my goal during all of this has really just been to post ridiculous shit, you know, stuff that like, I think there's enough places that you can go and see important information. Uh, And my accounts are generally not those places. (laughs) 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 My accounts are a place for you to go and like catch a laugh when you're checking your Instagram first thing in the morning or afternoon or night or whenever it is that you're waking up these days. Yeah. <laughs> that, which I agree with, <clears throat> which like, yeah, that should be the point of it. It should be fun, whatever. Those, that picture, that, that really struck with my brain when I saw the, the hospital picture. I was like, man, that is a striking image. So that, that is interesting that you just... You drop some time pro public and get involved in that. And then this whole concept of like leaving leaving New York and he went to Long Island, like, do you have a desire to leave? Do you feel that uncomfortable right now? Like No. This- I it's it's kinda weird. Um because I, I don't begrudge anybody leaving. I get it. I just, you know, uh, maybe two weeks into all this, my my father called my or like yeah called my brother and I and was just like my parents I'm from Ohio originally mm-hmm. and my parents are still there and my grandparents used to have a little cottage up on Lake Erie cool. and they're both passed but the cottage still is like owned by my parents and my aunts and uncles and they uh they were like you can come home rent a car and, and, you know, things were still ramping up and we just didn't know how far they were going to go at that point. Um, and so they were like, like late, late March, maybe. Yeah. This is like late March. Yeah. And they were like, you can come home to the cottage. We'll bring, you know, we'll bring a car up for you. You can quarantine at the cottage for two weeks and then come home to the house and my brother and I briefly discussed it, uh, and frankly, we were like, if this really just keeps going and is really out of control, maybe that's something we would do. Mm-hmm. But frankly, uh, we're uh, kind of blessed as far as where we're riding this all out. Um, you know, I've got a good apartment that I've been in for like 11 years, and it's... Uh, it's large. It's stabilized, which is the only reason <laughs> that I can still live here. Um, That's awesome. But like, we've got a backyard and we've got laundry, and we have all these things that we don't need to leave the apartments. And then on top of that, uh, we work really well together, and so we've produced a fair amount of content, and we've been really <laughs> creative during this time. So yeah, when yeah. the option was to like leave the city and not really know when you're ever going to get back to the city or 
like hole up in your pretty solid digs and get fucking creative and, you know, make bread. Yeah, make bread. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, I I mean, I get it. I get it because, like, so I'm from, like, my family's up in Rochester, right? We have, like, little spots on Lake Ontario. Like, I'm like, what am I going to do up there? I'm in New York. Like, I feel, I actually feel safer here. I know my little bodega. I know my supermarket. I know my people. I'm a member of this community. If I go home, it's like listening to my dad talk about Wegmans or some shit. You know, I'm like, dude. <laughs> I'm staying here. Yeah. I'm staying in New York. Because everybody's like, are you going to leave? I'm like, why would I leave? Like, I still feel safer in New York, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's definitely, as long as you're, as long as you're just, like, good about it, there's definitely, I don't know. Plus, there's, like, there's a whole aspect of staying here that is kind of like a, a, <laughs> Kind of a badge of pride for me at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm also, you know, I mean, it's like, it's a badge of pride. But like I said, I, if I had a one-bedroom apartment and no outdoor space or roof access and I was living by myself, I might have been more inclined to leave the city. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But yes. I've got a roommate that I get along with in an apartment with a backyard and you know plenty of space and whatnot so like why uh why 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 would i want to leave why would you leave yeah 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 Yeah, it's a it's a funky time yeah are you writing a bunch of songs in all of this uh you have like a whole new quarantine album that you've probably (laughs) written (laughs) i don't have a whole quarantine album uh but i mean i've written a few songs since the beginning of this uh so, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm being, like, insanely productive, but I also don't have any real interest in writing a an explicitly quarantine song. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. – it's just not who I am. I don't want to write that song. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, for a lot of reasons. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, but, I, you know, in general, I just find them to usually be overly sappy or – reductive Mm -hmm. um and i just uh, it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be me uh you know it's like writing all the all the crappy garbage country songs that came out after 9-11 woof Mm. um that were just like sentimentalism and were really reductive of what was going on but Whatever. Anyway, I don't have any interest in writing that song, but I'm still writing songs, uh, and they're certainly informed by this time. Um, you know, actually, here's like I, I did write I, I did write one song that started with a phrase uh, that wasn't just me noodling at the piano, like I was saying earlier. It did actually start with like I woke up in the morning and like went into the restroom and was like looking at myself in the mirror, and I just had an idea that was just like, I think I was like dealing with a few different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the stress of all this was certainly one of them. And the line for whatever I was singing in my mind was just, uh, what's it like to wear your heart on your sleeve? Is it everything you dreamed? Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I just wrote a whole song about 
having difficulty controlling your emotions. But and that is that is informed by the times. I like the way you say yeah. that. In, informed by the times, but not necessarily, you know, explicitly about the times. Yes, yes. So. Which, which I um, I checked out a new Brad Paisley song called "There Is No I in Beer," and it had a very creative um, there isn't, image. It there was, isn't German though. <laughs> B e i r. Yeah, you are yes. right. Uh, Sorry, go on. <laughs> No, no, we're going to get to Germany in a hot second. I'm sitting on this one. Um, it was like two phones cheersing the beer. And I was, and I, as a guitar player, like guitar players stay abreast of what Brad Paisley's doing. Cause he's, he's like, he's cool. He's a cool guitar player. We check him out. Yeah. And, and, uh, the whole song, I was like, man, this is, it's got like some ripping. You can tell he probably just made it. It's like a looped drum. It's like a garage band loop drummer part or whatever. And then at the end, it's exactly what you're like. The government sponsored country music where he starts like thanking grocery store workers. And like it, it's beautiful right. and the sentiment is great. But it's like, dude, you and me at least are too smart for this. Like we got it. We got the sentiment, dude. You don't have to fucking like pound us over the head with this. Like. Yeah. You ruined a good song, you asshole. You know what I mean? Heavy-handed. Like, <laughs> heavy-handed. It's just like, come on, dude. God damn. Speaking of Germany, Luke, so when I was... It made me think, I finally... When you talked about the battle of quitting smoking... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I had, I had kind of quit... I was, I was pretty quit smoking when I went on tour with Steve Waite... In Germany, like the month before you were going there, and then I came back from Germany, and I don't know what, however, the timing of this worked out, but I had to get my blood pressure taken. So my German trip, and they were like, it was like sausage and fucking fried food, and you know what it is. You just you're on tour in Germany, and lots of bars that you can still smoke inside of. I started smoking so much again, and that's when I was like, I finally they were like. You have. How can you fix these numbers? And I was like, I can just stop smoking. So, Germany relates directly to my quitting smoking. Like, <laughs> that was like, okay, you got it. Because I came back and was still just smoking cigarettes in America, which is like, the cigarettes aren't as good. They feel like more chemically. I think they are, right? Like, Prob- probably Germany, the EU in general, is a lot better about restricting chemicals and whatnot in in their ingestibles yeah so dude how did you get hooked up with the whole olaf scene of just uh kind of crushing germany you're like i assume you're a celeb in germany just like steve wait <laughs> uh you know <clears throat> i don't know that uh, steve has definitely got steve's got more pull over there in in uh, Deutschland than I do, but I got hooked up with it because of Steve. Like I've you know I've known Steve for like thirteen years at this point, and yeah. I mean it was over eleven years ago that he got me this apartment. Oh uh, my God! Yeah. What? Yeah. Steve Wait's a genius. Yeah. Holy shit! The world is coming together, dude. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh. But so, 
I had met Olaf, the Steve's old booker. Steve, Steve once, has a new booker now. That's he's right. got a new booker. Once he like signed to the label, the label decided they wanted to like put him with a different booker. Uh, but so I'd met Olaf when he was here years mm-hmm. ago. I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And I just, you know, I don't know, uh, as a, a procrastinator and a degenerate and a generally depressed person, I just never really tried to pull the trigger on going to Germany. Uh, and like, why would I not pull the trigger on taking a European trip for at the very least free, uh, yeah. possibly make some money or whatever, you know? So I finally, uh, Mike Grubbs, who, uh, wakey, wakey. Yes. Pulled me in on his like last big tour for wakey, wakey. Um, and so I spent like four weeks out on the road on like a North American tour with him. There's, some good rooms on that tour and met a lot of really, really sweet people. And it was awesome. Um, and while I was on that tour, I was like, you know what? I should go to Germany. Let's just do this. So like I emailed Olaf and we started working to set up a tour. And so the following, this was like in the early fall. So the following February, I went to Germany and toured there for the first time. And it was like, a wild, like eye-opening, mind-bending experience because I had never been to Europe before. And so this was my first time was being there for like three weeks and playing shows. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was just wonderful. And Holy shit. Yeah, your first time in Germany is the Olaf tour, dude? Yeah, first time in, in, in Europe? Oh, yeah. my God. You're spoiled, it was dude. just about my first time really ever out of the country. One time when I was in high school, I went to Belize for a mission trip. And mm-hmm. uh, we uh, that's the only time I'd ever been out of the country, though. Um, so... Other than like a few shows in Canada during the tour with Wakey Wakey, I'd never yeah. been out of the country. So it was yeah. like I we I went to Germany and was just like, whoa, uh, wild. I you know I, I and this this is like eleven years ago you said or maybe oh 10 no years this ago? was the first tour that I went was twenty fifteen five years ago. Twenty fifteen okay yeah it took me forever to finally capitalize on that connection of knowing Olaf. Uh, but it was like and, 2015. And then, and then so like maybe 2014 or whatever was the Wakey Wakey tour? Yeah, that was like early fall 2014. Okay. Uh, and so I... That's... Yeah. that's uh, It's just fascinating that you... Because I, after I toured in Germany from the indie rock kind of world, I was like, I'm never touring in America again. And like completely spoiled. So it's cool that you got to like have those buttressed like against each other like you did american but it sounded like you did pretty highbrow american touring not like it was yeah i mean it was uh the american touring that tour uh i've done some other small like midwest tours that were just you know uh abysmal um yeah with like a few anchor spots where i had a lot of friends or family like Columbus, Ohio, or Chicago, where I've got a lot of like friends or family, 
and so, you know, there was like maybe whatever, 15 or 20 people in the room. But outside of that, it was like there's the bartender and the sound guy and like the one guy that's just always at the bar. Um, yep. And then me on stage. Uh, and maybe I'd have like one friend in the room if I had somebody I knew in that city. It's a it's a it's a mess. It's miserable touring. It's a in fucking the, horrible thing. Yeah. And they don't give you food. They don't put you up. You're paying no. for your shitty PBR. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you fun. know, it's like in Germany. I mean, a year after that first tour, I went back to Germany and toured again. And uh, and it was. Uh, an unfortunate tour. <laughs> oh, um, really? It wasn't great. Uh, the you know the marquee shows I was hoping would go better than they did. They mm. they weren't bad. They they just weren't as good as I'd hoped for. And then uh, in Leipzig, uh, somebody broke into our car and stole all of our shit. Um, <sighs> and luckily, like our gear didn't really get taken for the most part. They just took bags, and so like I lost all my tour cash, my computer, uh, the bassist lost his pedal board, um, and it was a real bummer. And I only think I, I only said it because that day started out by the promoter of the club being like, "I forgot to book your hotel room." That's right. <laughs> we were going to have a hotel room because I had a hotel room in just about every city. That's yeah. not something that you get in the States. Like I would go over there, maybe not get paid a whole bunch. Maybe I'm only getting like 50 Euro, but I'm going to get a, a square meal and a, uh, and like an actual place to stay. That isn't somebody's couch or something like that. Yeah. And on top of all of that, they still buy CDs in Germany. So you've actually got like basic merch that you can sell. You don't have to like have T-shirts and all this stuff. In fact, I found that my ancillary merchandise didn't sell nearly as well as the CDs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. So, it you know, it's wild. So, yeah, the, that promoter like apologized because he hadn't booked – our hotel room and it was there was a festival in town that we were a part of so we were going to be staying with his mother and i was <laughs> really not happy about having to go back to some random old lady's house at the end of that night yeah uh, i'm sure you were like what the fuck is he saying yeah yeah but then the wild thing was that the way that all came together was like I don't know that I would have wanted to stay anywhere else. Uh, we went out to our car at 3 a.m. and the car, had, like, th- we'd, you know, they'd, they'd robbed us. Uh, we go to. In, like in downtown Leipzig at the, you played a festival in Leipzig, not just at the little bar? It was like, it was a festival in the way that, like, South by Southwest is a festival. It was like all, mostly like oh, venues just... around town that are all part of this blues festival. Uh, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I was, I was doing a blues festival. Um, huh, it's Europe. Yeah. It's things cool. are loose. Uh, yeah. but, um, but so we, so we end up going to the, uh, police department and filing, uh, a report and everything. We walk out of there at like seven fifteen in the morning 
and I'm supposed to be in Cologne six, uh, like that night for a solo show where the guarantee was low and I didn't care that much about the show. And it was a six hour drive away after mm. waking up at seven fifteen from being robbed or sorry, after, Jesus. after leaving the police station at seven fifteen in the morning from being robbed. And also, you know, like I'm like sobering up at this point and like <laughs> super tired because I'm sobering up. Uh, So we drive over to this guy's mother's house. We go in and the bassist had been in contact with her throughout all this. We go in and she has set up breakfast for us. Hell yes. Eggs and little sweaters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She doesn't speak a lick of English, but she like their whole family has been in the show business for forever so like his mom was like she worked in the carnival and uh and so did his dad when he was still alive and so i've got this little old lady behind me that gets like traveling entertainment and understands it at a really integral level because she did it for ever and (laughs) my bassist and my drummer are talking to her in german and i for the life of me, only recently have I actually stuck with any sort of regimen to learn German, but uh, didn't really speak much of any at this point. And they're talking to her and telling her what happened. And I'm just, I'm exhausted and I'm emotionally drained and I've just lost like 1,200 euro and, oh my, God. and yeah. my computer and all this stuff. And this little old lady just like reaches over my back and just gives me this big bear hug from behind. And I, I, it was all I could do to not just like lose it right there and start bawling mm-hmm. like a little boy. Um, yeah. cause I was just so fried and she was so incredibly sweet. And I thought, you know, this wouldn't have happened at a hotel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So in that particular case, it all kind of worked out. But generally, one of the nice things about Europe or about Germany specifically is that like people come out and support and they pay covers to hear bands that they have never seen live that maybe they didn't even know about before two weeks before. And I mean, there's a lot of like there's there's a couple specific towns where people are really great and they still pay a lot of attention to what I'm doing. And I'll shout them out in case any of them are listening. But specifically, uh, Bad Bentheim and Magdeburg. And mm-hmm. uh, Magdeburg, there's a venue called Blue Note. Um, and I regularly will have other friends of mine who go over and tour and will come back and be like, yeah, man, they were bumping your tunes before my show. <laughs> Yo, I was there. That's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I know that club. That club. That I love. That I love they those people. Love Luke Wesley at that and club. Yeah, they do. They do seem to love me over there. Um, and Bud Bentheim is the same way. Like I, some of them have been tuning in for these Sunday brunch buffet shows, um, and they're all really, you know, really fantastic people, um, and. It's just that 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 thing doesn't exist. Like Bad Bentheim is a small village, respectively, um, and uh, Gunther, who who runs the, the yes, venue there yes, called the Altus yes. Museum, the old museum, uh, yes. 
when he like he runs that that this you know little venue in a little town, but he like pays and he brings in great music like once or twice a month, and you just you don't have that here. You don't no, have small towns exist. here that are yeah. that are willing to drop like three hundred bucks to pay a band from like a touring band from a major city to come in and play music there and then put them up that night and feed them and feed them and get them drinks and like yeah. entertain them after the show. And right? it's like, yeah. you just, you walk into that venue and from moment one, you just like the hospitality is out of control. You feel out of control. You feel like you're Beyonce. Yeah. You feel like you're being treated like a king where, like I said, you're being, you get fed dinner at the bar that night and it's delicious. Then you like just get lit all night long, just drinking <laughs> beer all night long and possibly schnapps and whatnot. And then you go back to your hotel room and cause, and I think there's just like the one place in town, maybe, maybe not, but like you go back to that room and you wake up in the morning and there's a breakfast in the morning for you. And it's just like, and then on top of that, you get paid and you yeah, get treated yeah. like there are actually people there that care about music and musicians. And we don't actually care about music and musicians here. We just care about celebrity. And yes. so we're ready. Like we're, we love celebrity musicians, but we don't, really actually care about local live music and i think to some extent it has to do especially in places like new york and la and nashville where frankly we're just a little spoiled there's so much of it surrounding us i mean if you get to a place like berlin they're not rolling out the red carpet quite the same way but no, Berlin or Hamburg or Cologne, like you said, yeah. Yeah, but totally still. Totally different experience. Like, I've, I only played Berlin once, and when I played Berlin, I still drank for free all night. I still got fed a meal, and I still got put up. Yeah, yeah. For the night. So, like, uh, and I, but in general, like, I didn't get paid nearly as much for the show, mm -hmm. but I still had the amenities, uh, and that's, that's just something that's, uh, you know, sorely lacking in the States. No, he, I mean, just hearing the Germany stories and the personal connections that we share, it warms my heart. You know, they're just such a beautiful culture and people and they, they love the tunes and then, and then their encyclopedic knowledge of like indie rock and pop that they drop back on you. You're like, man, I, I guess I got to go check out some records. Like, I don't know all this stuff that you know. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Encyclopedias of pop music, you know? Yeah. I will like, and it's, it's interesting in, in Magdeburg on the second tour, I didn't, I didn't have a new release to be pushing. So I was like trying to put together some merch and I made a bunch of these, uh, like I made like linoleum, uh, carvings and mm -hmm. made prints for tour posters. And I did a bunch of them were the German flag colors, oh. you know, red, yellow, black. And so I did a bunch of them like that. And I ran out of some of the colors. So I made a, a couple 
like two or three that were like red, white, and blue because it's just what I had. And at one of the shows in Magdeburg, which is in the portion of Germany that used to be East Germany, um, I had a guy who was like was looking at the posters and he was older and his English was a little more broken. And he was mm-hmm. like, do you have uh, one that's the – there were others, not uh, these colors? And I was like, yeah, I've got – I have these. And he was like, oh, good. I want one of those. And I was like, oh, I figured, you know, the German flag. And he was like, oh, no, no, I don't I don't agree with German politics. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, huh. And, like, I had uh. two I, – I had, like, two more conversations that night with people – who, uh, like, did not, we did not see eye to eye on political issues and they came up. Um, but the thing was, is that, like, Germans have a different philosophy. They're different about this sort of thing. It's like Americans, yeah. we, we get into an argument and, like, that's it. I will never talk to you again. Uh, and you are out of my life. Yeah, yeah. And Germans will be screaming at each other and then they'll walk out the door and get a pint. And it's like, well, yeah, that was just a discussion that we were having about something else. Like you're st- still a person that I enjoy. Just, I disagree mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I really, I really love Germans. <laughs> I love them too. I love them. Would you also say Luke? Now I always say this one to people is that how, mistaken i think that their sense of humor is in the top three in the world i think this whole concept that germans aren't funny i'm like no 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 they're (laughs) hilarious you just your sense of humor sucks (laughs) i i will say that the humor tends to be a lot drier because they can often tend to be drier i wouldn't say that they're all drier or anything like that but i do think that the humor can be drier and that's part – I mean, the very first show that I played in, in Germany on that first tour in uh, Schwerin, it's like a little a little town like way up north in eastern Germany. Uh, I didn't Is it realize, the one on the water? Is yeah. it the one with the crazy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Angler Zwei, the angler Your two, the like, the like fishing like fishing the shack fishing bar. Fish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so – I played, that was the first show I ever played, and I was like, I'd been told by Chris Cubetta, who's also been Mm -hmm. over there and done a couple of tours, and he was like, in Eastern Germany, it's tough because people don't speak English as much, and you'll be talking to them, and they just don't know what you're saying, and I didn't realize that I was in East Germany. I didn't didn't know where I was. I just, it took like five hours of trains to get there by myself with a keyboard and a couple of bags and I just yeah. I didn't know where I was and so that night at the show like I just I keep saying stuff and just like no reaction from the crowd <laughs> at all and I'm yeah. just like man tough tough crowd tonight and so tough out, crowd tonight guys yeah so out, out after the show I'm outside smoking a cigarette and there's this kid out there who's like 18 or 19 because you can you know you can drink in bars it 16 in Germany. 16, yeah. Uh, like beer and liquor at 16, or sorry, beer and wine at 16, liquor at 18. And so I'm talking to this kid, and he was like, great show, and he speaks really good English. And I was like, oh, 
yeah, I, it was really hard for me to gauge how that was going. I just didn't feel like anything I was saying was landing. And he's like, well, in Eastern Germany, like if you're above a certain age, you learned German and Russian when you were in school. And if you're below a certain age, you more than likely learned English and German. Mm, it's yeah, just like yeah. where you were after the wall fell. Uh, yes. And he was like, but, but also I have a joke for you which is uh, how many Germans does it take to screw in a light bulb? Uh-oh. One, because we're very efficient and we don't like humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. And it's, uh, it's, my, it's, it's one of my favorite jokes now. <laughs> but see, the thing is, is like, I find that they're... When they're being like so serious <laughs> and telling you exactly how shit's going down, you're like, no, this is still funny. This is still funny. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like the story I always tell, the story that stuck with me is when we were in Leipzig and Tim Lappin and uh, we're eating bread and the sausage and it's beautiful and it's delicious. And a dude looked at us who probably, like, that's East Germany. Like, he didn't know any English. He just goes, do you like the bread? And we're like, we love the bread. And he's like, that's because it's German bread. And Tim was just like, is it German bread? This is German bread? <laughs> like, I was like, it's German bread. That's German bread. And, like, he wasn't joking. He wasn't even, I was, I started crying, bro. I was losing my shit. I was like, dude. <laughs> the Germans, but see, like, they can laugh at themselves, I think, when they realize, like, how strict or whatever they're perceived, you know, like, this no-humorless culture, like, it's not really the case, you know, they have a sense of humor, it's like a good joke to tell people, like, yo, I'm not funny, and then all you do is tell jokes all night, that's kind of how I feel like Germans are, you know? Uh, yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, I, like, I had a conversation with the owner of the, of Blue Note in Magdeburg, and she was she was complimenting me on my pronunciation. I don't know a lot of German, but she was complimenting me on my pronunciation, and she was like, you know, one of the tough things with German, and this is everybody, everywhere, even in Europe, people are like this. The way they pronounce German, it sounds like they're angry. <laughs> yes. And yeah. she was like, but Germans, like, they don't sound angry when you really start to parse out the the actual pronunciation of how they say it. Uh, it's just a very guttural, percussive language, and people tend to mistake that for, uh, you know, an anger. You know, I think everybody hears mm -hmm. German mm -hmm. and they hear some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of rally where Hitler is talking or something. Uh, yeah, and yeah. that's not really the way everybody is pronouncing the language. Uh, that was just one sad, angry bigot screaming <laughs> racist things at people. Uh, you know, in general, there's if you just bury your words in the back of your throat, uh, like you'll have it. You don't have to add a bunch of emphasis that makes you sound angry. You just bury it in the back. That's what I've learned. Yeah, no, I think you're totally spot on. And I have learned that Germans, because of all that burying in the back of their throat, like, 
They love a good singer. Now, I'm doing a little transition, though. Luke, where the hell did you get this voice? Like, this beautiful singing, like, you sing so powerfully and so easily and so naturally, but it doesn't feel like you're doing that. Which uh, I know that's why Germans love you, because Germans love a good goddamn singer. And I'm like, I know why they love Luke Wesley. This dude's got the golden voice. Like, were you in choir? Uh, did your mom I, and dad make you sing all the way through, like, elementary school? Like, where where did you get this voice and this vocal stylings? I was in, I was definitely in choir. Uh, both my father and my mother sang. My father died when I was very young in a car accident. And then mm -hmm. my mom remarried, and that man is really, I mean, I refer to him as my dad or father as well. Um, okay. Because, well, because he is. He's your, <laughs> because he, he you. yeah, because he raised me for, you know, the vast majority of my life. Um, honestly, that dude took on a woman with four boys. What was he <laughs> thinking? What was he thinking? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, how how uh, old were you when that happened? Uh, so I was about I was a little over one when my dad oh, were, died in the accident, bit, you know. and then when oh, my yeah. mom remarried, I was almost four. Um, so I was still, oh, wow. you know, yeah. I was still a, a wee babe. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so so my biological dad and my mom both sang a lot. Uh, my biological father played guitar um and then you know oh. there was always music around when i was a kid and my mom had us all take you know the requisite piano lessons which i took for about nine months and i hated it because frankly in the parlance of the times uh taking piano lessons when you're in elementary school is gay <laughs> um, like that's the only way you look at it because you're an ignorant child in in an ignorant time, um, and that's the way everybody looked at it. And then it's not till you get to like high school when suddenly everything starts to turn, because it's like when you're really young, everybody's like, "Oh man, you're learning to play guitar, you're learning to play drums. That's so cool." And then when you get to high school, for the rest of your life, people will say. Oh man, I wish I'd stuck with piano lessons. You know, and like suddenly they're just like, you're awesome. And frankly, I wish I'd stuck with piano lessons uh, because I took them for about nine months. And then from there on out, just the piano was a tool for me writing my songs. And I, uh, I could be a much better pianist than I am. It is the least of my of uh, of my abilities if you look at singing songwriting and playing piano it is a distant third in my opinion to <laughs> the singing and the songwriting and the singing i mean don't get me wrong i've definitely worked on it uh but do you work on it is it something that's a part of your uh, oh, no. regimen to... no, no I, I mean i don't work on it like that <laughs> uh <laughs> You know, no, no, no. no I just like some cats. I are just like drink lots of whiskey. About the vocal and... exercises. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I. So I mean, I had a really great choir director in junior high, middle school, and my freshman year of high school, and she 
uh, she instilled a lot of confidence in me. And I'd already had some confidence because in elementary school, I would get like lead singing roles and plays and stuff. Uh, really? So you were just a fucking born singer, though. Elementary school yeah. explains it, yeah. Yeah, I, I it was just... I didn't get no singing gigs in elementary school. Yeah, you know? it was just kind of always... It was always there, and I was like slowly recognizing that I could sing. I hated hearing my own voice. One time I walked into the the you know the sanctuary at my parents church and ho- heard one of the like christmas plays the audio from it playing and i heard myself and was like that's that's what i sound like i sound like charlie <laughs> brown what in the world oh man i just wanted to bury my head so far in the ground i couldn't find it uh and but so i had this great choir director and i actually still keep in touch with her on like Facebook and whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. And she instilled a lot of confidence in me. And then she left the school and we got another guy who was adult. Um, And I just, man, I, I was a jerk. Uh, I mean, I've, I've always been kind of a, a jerk in certain ways. And with him, I was just like, he was so unqualified to be my choir director after that previous choir director that like, I would just get up in the middle of class and leave sometimes if I didn't want to be there anymore. And he didn't stop me. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just got to do whatever I wanted to. And, like, one time we were preparing for some state competitions, and he pulled out a piece of music for us to sight read that we had we had used it to sight read the day before. And I was like, oh, hey, uh, we, we did this one yesterday. And he was like, oh, yeah, but it's still new. And I'm like, no, I mean, I remember my part. I can sing it for you right now if you want me to. Uh, this isn't sight reading. He's like, ah, it's still fresh. Okay, let's let's do this, everybody. It was just like, all right, man, you are so far out of your element right now. I can't, I can't deal with this. Um, and so I just kind of did whatever I wanted to in that class. And I think had I had her all the way through high school, I wouldn't have had to do so much work on my own. Mm, but yeah. I didn't, and I think I had slowly started to atrophy until by the time I eventually moved to New York after college, I was I still had a voice, but I didn't have any support or power. Mm, yeah. And so as I started getting into the music scene and singing more and you know rehearsing and playing more, and I started to find that support and that power... Um, and I know that that's really what has always kind of brought people in. Um, I mean, that's the, that's the first thing. Nobody's beating down my door because they are just dying to get into my green room and have sex with me. What the, <laughs> what the, like that it's the voice The like I was born with a timbre in my voice that people like, uh, or timbre, or however people want to pronounce it. Yeah, it's a um, weird word, but yeah, sure. It's a weird word, um, but I no was... No one really knows how was, to say that word, Joe. Yeah, I was the timbre. Um, timbre? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think like timbre would be the Americanized version of timbre, and timbre mm-hmm. would be trying to find a happy medium between the two. Um, and all of those are still spelled with an I, and it makes no sense. But, um, it's true. Uh, but I was just born with a specific sonic envelope to my voice that people latched onto and enjoyed. And I've done work to, 
to try and you know to to pull that voice into the fold and make it you know you know make it more concise and clear mm-hmm. but i've never really had to work that hard for that um yeah for what you i have it's, had it. it's just kind of there and i didn't have to do much everything else was you know it's also i've i've never i've never doubted whether or not people liked my voice but i've doubted my whole life whether or not they liked anything else about me <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh, no I, I can sing but yeah. Fuck, I can't play piano for shit. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the thought process. <clears throat> I know. Right? Like, especially now with the internet, you hear like one eight-year-old play piano, and you're like, well, I guess I'll never touch a piano ever again. What the hell was that? Yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, wait. Hey, one second. I need okay. to use the restroom. Do it. I will be right back. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's all good. Take your time. Well, Luke is using the restroom. I'll inform you all that. Well, well, I don't totally approve of uh, remote recordings. I have snuck away to use the restroom my damn self. I'm talking about Germany. I'm just taking a mic time. Hey, Germany using the restroom. Luke, I've seen his bathroom. He's posted it online. He has a bidet. You have to watch Pandemic partner it's pretty beautiful i think i wonder if luke can hear me right now luke can you hear me right now we can't tell i could just be muted from his end he's wearing the headphones no but his headphones had a cord so there's no way he can hear me oh um hmm well, Germany, Steve Waite, Luke Wesley. You are sunshine in my eyes, white hot blinding light. I'm having a Modelo because I, I just learned about David Chang. I haven't really checked him out. Oh, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. He's coming back. Luke's coming back. Oh, all right, man. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, That's good. I just, I was telling the audience that I have, well, we've been, I've been sneaking to the bathroom. I am on my fourth beer, like a complete COVID lush here. Oh, I'm actually, I'm I'm only on my third, but I tend to drink a lot of water and coffee early on in the day to rehydrate me, especially during these particular times where I've possibly had a lot of tequila the night before Um, and i think that uh between the multiple pints of water and the couple cups of coffee this third beer was just like anyway uh, it's about the third beer when you're always like it's just a make or break situation right now i think i gotta go yeah yeah i mean i was putting it off for about 45 minutes (laughs) (laughs) I eventually was just like, all right, this is gonna this is gonna have to happen. I gotta do this. Uh, no, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Um, all right. So anyway, yeah. Uh, so I the vocal thing was always a thing that just worked for me, 
and it was a thing that people latched onto. Uh, I also think I have kind eyes, and so people think I'm trustworthy with their emotions. <laughs> Eyes, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been told that a lot, and I think it's like when, like when I first moved to New York, I would get people would be like, "Man, you remind me so much of this friend of mine back home, or whatever, somebody that I was never going to meet anyway." Uh, and it was always somebody that they just fucking loved dearly. And Ooh. at first, I was like, "Okay, yeah, cool," but I'm not that person. Um, and then eventually I was like, no, this is great. I've known this person for less than yeah. five minutes and they love me. And I've done nothing to earn that love. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> this is fantastic. People are just liking me and they don't even know me. I mean, who knows if they still will when they do get to know me. But right now, they love me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where do they hear me sing? God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till they hear me sing. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, that's a good. That's a good look. That's awesome. Uh, dang. So that though that was a good story. That that truly answered the question because I think like all these people who are really good at something or something that comes so naturally, it's so easily. It's exactly what you just described. It's like, oh, I've just kind of been doing this my whole life. I don't know. Like, a lot of people have to work for this, but, yeah, I just do this. This is what I do. It's like, that's how singing is for you. You're just, oh, I, I sing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I wish, to some extent, maybe I'd, I'd had to work for it a little bit more. Uh, only because sometimes I'm really bad at working for things. <laughs> yeah. uh, just we, because of the we fact. We all can relate to that. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's, that's work. And that requires you actually setting down and like setting time aside and like focusing on on getting better at a thing, uh, which is you know so much less fun. Uh, yeah. And if you don't have a ton of experience having to do that, then you won't be very good at doing it. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yes. Um, do you have any plans to go back to Germany, Luke? Uh, that, I do I mean, want to go back. Obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but post the pandemic, or maybe this, I don't is have that any books. I don't have any immediate ready-made plans. I think uh, it would be very tough to think that I would be making it back there in less than a year. Yeah, um, yeah. I I think. That the next year is going to be a very weird, interesting time globally. Um, and I think it would be weird to think I'd be back there anytime before that. But I think that between a few songs prior to this period of time and about, uh, you know, six or seven songs from the last like five months, four or five mm -hmm. months. And other songs that I I have in the works and will undoubtedly write sooner than later, I I think that there's a good chance that I'm going to end up making another album, and yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and then at that point, I would consider going back to Germany, but I I want to get something else recorded. I don't know. It's tough, you know, when you're not Beyonce, 
the prospect of recording an album and I, you know, I've chosen somebody who's at the top of the music industry, but like there are other people that are not nearly as big as her, that it actually makes financial sense to make a record. And for someone like me, it doesn't make any financial sense to make a record. Um, and that's, uh, it's just the breaks. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I can, you can delude yourself or possibly just, you know, gear yourself up for it or whatever by telling yourself that like, this is going to be the album that sells. This is going to be the one that you're going to make a, you're going to, you're going to make a career out of or whatever. But, yeah. you know, uh, frankly, it's just the 1% of the 1% gets to say that. It's just not that many people that get to say I made, you know, I made, I made a living as a musician by the albums that I recorded. I mean, there's that's people that... That's a very small percentage of musicians, that's correct. Yeah. yeah, it's just, you know, it's a it's a very small group of people that get to say that. And uh, I've had a lot of good breaks in my time. I mean, uh, you know, Engine Room Recordings put out my first album. I didn't have to pay for that one at all. It was great. That's amazing, um, yes. Who gets and, to say that, right? Exactly. That was and your first solo record? That was the first solo record. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've gotten to tour in the United States as well as Europe. And mm -hmm. not a lot of people get to say that either. But I yep. haven't ever made a living off of my music. And so thinking that if I make another album, it will be the one that does it for me is a... a delusions of grandeur um and uh so if i'm gonna make an album it has you know it's a it's a it's only a passion project it's something that i want to make as an artistic piece as a statement um so of course the next trick is to not wrap yourself up in it so much that you're worried about how it sounds uh and you know, cripple yourself with fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> Just put work out, right? Keep putting the work out. Uh, that's the thing is, you, have you to know, accept that it is. Uh, you have to kind of look at your creativity as a machine, and machines that don't run, uh, they they don't work. You know, if they're yeah, not running true. regularly, they don't work, and they require maintenance and they require attention. And they require focus. Um, and frankly, you've just got to keep cranking and you've got to keep putting art out there. And it's the only way that you get better. Uh, and you can't look at art as every single thing you create is precious. Because it isn't. Everything that you create as an artist is just a thing that you've created and people will, you know, if you're lucky, people will respond to it positively. If you're really lucky, people will have a visceral emotional attachment to your artwork. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can't look at it that way. 
You can't look at yeah, it. Like, no, you can't. You can't you just, at all. You just have to like pump it out and put it out there and let people decide how they feel about it. But uh, you can't look at it as every special snowflake that you've created. It's very true. It's very true. Luke, you be you saying that, I mean, it's getting toward that time, but you're literally setting me up for the song that we're going to play folks out with by saying, by the, the song, again. <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah. a beautiful, again, again, do it again, right? Do it again, right? <laughs> I, I don't know, you know? Yeah, I mean, that was a song I wrote for, I wrote for my ex, uh, the you know the big one that we discussed earlier um uh-huh. i wrote that for her when i was writing the second album and it's a song about her as well as a a song about brooklyn and just kind of the two things together um and finding a, a community where you feel welcome you know i mean i don't know i mean i i think i spent a lot of time younger always feeling like I didn't fit uh, in one way or another, positive or negative or whatever. I just didn't really ever feel like I fit. And I got to New York and started to feel like this made sense. And in, in Brooklyn, I just have such a, a wonderful community of people that I know and cherish and that I've met through many different avenues, whether it be through music or bartending or whatever and i just have these wonderful communities of people that i think to some degree a lot of them were all you know misfits in one way or another as well Mm, uh yeah and coming here and finding all these people and finding somebody that i really loved and all of that together um just uh you know, kind of makes you feel like you're on this, uh, like you're on a, a, a positive course. And the again is, um, is kind of stated in this sense of like, like let's, you know, let's run away. Not so much get away from this place, but like let's just be together now that we've found each other and nobody will ever find us ever again. Um, because you know maybe that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. Not finding somebody yeah. to spend your life with, but like finding people that you connect with. Finding anybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can hang out with. Yeah, yeah. That, that's just a great word. Again. Yeah. I mean it relates that a machine that runs. Creativity is a machine and it takes work and focus. That was a beautiful sentiment. I think that is almost the theme of that song, but that song does have this, like, emotional, uh, like, I'm leaving, you're leaving something. Is it your mind, in your mind, is it, was it, like, leaving Ohio, or it's, like, finding Brooklyn, really? I think it was, it's really, like, finding Brooklyn and finding somebody to, to, somebody that you appreciate and enjoy on a really integral level. Um, And... Not so much about leaving Brooklyn or even leaving uh, Ohio as much as a more, like, metaphorical standpoint of, like, just 
leaving it all. Like everything that bogs us down, everything in life that sucks and is miserable. Um, because most of the things that are that really are truly miserable and suck in life are uh, ancillary and don't necessarily, you know, are things that we've created to be problems. Yeah. <laughs> we just can't be fucking happy sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I know. And I sense that in that record. Where are you going to do this new record? Are you going to do with Cubetta again? And who did the first record? God damn it, those are very specific, pointed questions when I'm trying to wrap up a podcast, but, like, yeah. I'm curious. Uh, first record... <laughs> First record was recorded at the one of the owners of Engine Room Recordings had his own like private studio that we recorded at in Gowanus, mm-hmm. uh, and that was a that was a that was a fun couple of weeks. It was a a blur. Um, second record I did at Gluminum Foil uh, yeah. when Chris still had his own studio and wasn't uh, hadn't gotten into Studio G yet. Um, Another record, I don't know. Uh, I've had a lot of ideas over the years as I've toyed with the idea. And I mean, f- frankly, I like I quit playing music for a little while because everything bummed me out and then finally started to rediscover a love for it. And things are kind of on on fire. And I, I don't know. Um, I think I'm I think I'm open to suggestions uh, because. Um, I think I've got a better idea of who I am now and what I want to do. And I, I thought about just putting out like a five song solo EP without any music, but Steve Wade actually told me that that was a dumb idea. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> he didn't, why did Steve say he that? Didn't, he didn't phrase it like that, but he basically was yeah, just like, we were listening to some like demos that i had on my phone and he was just like i don't i don't know man i don't think you should do a solo like i can hear other things in this music and i think i think you should put them in there and it's like yeah but i can record a solo ep for about 500 bucks yeah (laughs) i can record a a full band ep for like five grand so you know, it's just it's so much more time when you start sitting in the studio and trying to think of what you're gonna do, and then you know mastering and all this stuff, and it's just like it gets away from you quickly. And you know, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing: for anybody that's wondering, I'm 38 years old, and at 38 years old, I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, I've got some money squirreled away. Do I want to? try and figure out how to turn that into a future or do I just accept the fact that I am an artist and Hmm. I just need to feed that fire and none of the other fires matter. And, uh, that is a it's an interesting place to be because I think a lot of people give up, especially on like music and acting, like the very performative arts. Yep. People give up they on give them up. by the time they're out of their twenties because they're like, Well, I didn't I didn't get anywhere. And it's like, well, 
if the only goal was to make it famous, then like you didn't deserve to be famous anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Because all you wanted was the fame and the art didn't matter. So like, f- fuck off, man. <laughs> but at Fuck the, off times 100 because yeah. I don't give a shit what a little kid has to sing to me. Like, you have real life experiences that you can transfer into songs that I can emotionally relate to and understand. Like, some 22-year-old talking about their breakup, like, who gives a fuck? I'm sick of those songs, you know? Like, so... Yeah. So, I mean... I, I, I think about this a lot. I, I don't even... I, is this maybe the point of this whole silly-ass podcast, which is just a passion project for me, bro. It's like, I, I don't make any money on this. It's just like, I want to make sure all my people that I get to listen to their records are happy and continuing to make music, you know? Like, Yeah. It's yeah, funny that I mean, you say that about Steve, too, because he was... he. I have his record literally in my hands. This is Another Day Blown Bright. He brought yeah. me the whole record. It's, and it's a like, fantastic record. That, that dude's dude. one of my favorite... One of my favorite, like, songwriters and whatnot in New York. Unbelievable. And the whole visual package is so beautiful. But, you know, to counter Steve's point, and I I do believe that Steve is a, is a, a visionary and a brilliant dude and a smart guy. But, like, there's something so special and so needed in society right now of just this pure acoustic piano voice. No edits. It's like... We're oversaturated with this edited millennial like bullshit of like pink, frothy, clean, anally retentive, fucking cleaned up audio tracks. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, I don't know. There is a value to maybe you do one acoustic song. I, and, and to me, Luke, I don't know. Like, eventually a record is always the thing, but it's like, this is like single society. Even if you just did one acoustic single and then three weeks later, just like Justin Bieber does, you release another song and then maybe you do one fully produced song and then you do a video and then you do a fucking uh, you know what i mean like i don't know i feel like oh, the whole marketplace has changed you know what i mean obviously it's like it's a totally different I'm market. clearly drunk that i'm like look look this is what you're gonna do i'm gonna be your no, manager you're, bro like, i think you're actually right I, I mean the market has changed so much that the idea like i mean it's the thing that the thing that sucks uh is that like I love the whole album. I love the I do album. Too. I do. I too. love the idea of a whole like both of my albums have names like so one of my favorite books of all time is uh <clears throat> Raymond Carver What We Talk About When We Talk About Love. And Raymond Carver What We Talk About When We Talk About Love? Yes. And it's a mm-hmm. it's he never he never made a, a novel. It was always short stories with him. And this is a collection of short stories. And it's been like there was one of the short stories got made into a, a movie starring Will Ferrell that was not bad, actually. Um, and in the movie Birdman, is- it's, the, it's the, the, the book that he is based, that Michael Keaton's character is based the play on that he wrote is this book by Raymond Carver. Um, is and the Will Ferrell movie? What is that movie called? It's called like Everything Must Go. I think it's what it's called. Everything Must Go. Yeah. And yes. so that, that's, and I love Birdman. Okay. Okay. I'm, and so it's based I married on, an English teacher, but I'm not totally familiar with this piece. Yeah. No, that's all right. Uh, and so what I love about this book is 
These stories are not all explicitly about love, but when you hear them, when you read them under the title, what we talk about when we talk about love, the, the, this collection of short stories builds like a novel. And each piece is like its, its own new piece to like give you one more thing that we talk about, like the real reality when we're talking about love. And so for me, naming an album was always this, this thing of like, I want to find a name that just, that, that makes sense and builds this whole album up song by song and gives you things. And I love the idea of an album, but the industry doesn't give a shit about your album anymore. And it's gone weirdly all the way back to singles again yeah. which is where, you know, it was in the 50s and 60s. And so nowadays it's like you can put out that album, but it kind of makes sense to release all 10 songs as singles before you put out the album. Yes. And then you can yes, release them all as like a, a group later. But now, you know, also it's like you can go into the studio for a day and record one track and get that all shored up and everything and, and you know, be done. And you can kind of do it bite-sized you can even pick different producers for each track or whatever, which is what happens yeah, yeah. a lot in the music industry these days. So, like, you're you're not wrong. You're actually very right, and it's a thing I've thought a lot about, which is, like, instead of doing an album right off the bat, just, like, the moment I can get into a studio, just, like, you know, peel off a few bills and just, like, record one track with good mics and, you know, good keys and everything and just do one solo track and then you know mm -hmm. go from there and see where where that takes me yeah because it relates to your your machine analogy it's just it's just keeping the machine going it takes work yeah it takes focus you got to keep it running you know feed the beast feed the beast and that is ex exactly a line that i learned from um ben wagner who recorded with jeff Jeff yeah. Burner. Jeff Burner, yeah. Yeah. Jeff Burner, who I yeah. kind of know but don't really know but like yeah, I don't I don't know if there's a right answer or a wrong answer and I understand Steve's thing because it does creatively feel so good cuz he was like you got to just go spend a week and do it. And it, it is it feels so good. Talk about like we're a rich country like we get to social distance, you know, like we're afforded this privilege. That's how I feel about, like, you are afforded a, a privilege if you can go record a record for a week. Like, that, you're right, easily five grand. Shit. It's five grand just looking at the project, you know what I mean? By the time you try to get some artwork or try to get some promotion, like, Jesus Christ, I mean, you know what I mean? But Even if you're just doing five-song EP, you're looking, like, from start to finish. You've got your studio time, you've got mastering... You've got like you've got to pay the band while they're in the studio. Like you have all plus this is all without even tapping somebody to produce that EP. Yeah, yeah. Like it it gets out of control quickly. Like out, like out of control. Yes. Yeah. Well, whatever. Also, I, I, they're all clapping and stuff outside right now. That's. De almost definitely being picked up in my mic. 
Oh, that's awesome. I was literally yeah. like going to use this as the time to be like, okay, well, we got to go clap outside. I'm, I'm like in a concrete box, like deep in the, <laughs> deep in the burrows of a building. I did, I have gone outside at seven o'clock to hear it out here. And this is like a little bit of a commercial area. So it's not as cool, but by my house, it's like a super party. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's, it's more like that by me as well. But yeah. Well, dang, Luke. I mean, I'll play everybody out with again. They tell tell the good people whether applauding the frontline workers where they can find your music. I guess LukeWesley.com, Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can you can hear the music and you can listen to the record at LukeWesley.com. Um, but uh, you can also hear it pretty much everywhere else. And I think by the time this comes out, my first album will finally be back up on the on the interwebs and everything. And that, you know, Spotify, every once in a while, I'll get like a, I'll get like once every two months or so, I'll get like three cents from Rap City Music. <laughs> and I'm always, yeah. every time I see that, I'm just like, huh, wonder who that is. <laughs> 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 because yes. like... Who lists, so many, I know. Who's listening to music on Rhapsody? But uh, whatever, you know, I, I see that person. They're lovely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but you can you can hear it literally everywhere. Uh, and so you might as well uh, listen to it wherever it is that you listen to it. If you, if you would really love to support me, uh, you can always purchase it. Through my webpage would be the best place because that's by far the biggest cut. But it's on iTunes and everywhere else if you want to purchase it. Otherwise, like just uh, spin that shit, get funky, and possibly really sad. (laughs) (laughs) Really sad. Oh man, Luke, you're the best. I'm going. This has been amazing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I'm going to hang up with you and end this recording. Yeah. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call you back in like 15 minutes because this is what I've always said. My favorite part about the podcast has always been, it's like the post-coitus. Like, <laughs> a pillow talking. <laughs> yeah, the pillow talk. It's like... <laughs> it's like when you're making a podcast, you're like, we are both trying, we're on, we're trying to create... A thing, but then it's like we've just stripped away all this shit. Like, let's actually just talk as two people for a second. So, thank you for taking the time. I'm literally gonna call you in 15 minutes. I'm saying this on the mic because it's only the second remote. When I started Secret Famous, my whole thing was like, I want to be in the room with the person. Like, I hate listening to the phone ones, but because with other musicians, we all have rigs. So, thank you for taking the time, Luke. Yeah. Playing everybody without out with again, and we look forward to more tunes, more tours. Luke Wesley, everybody. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, man. We are the photographs of everyone that came before. We wear our righteousness and stubbornly we stomp the floor. But I found you. I found you. We copulate and congregate out on the misfit aisle And nothing ever seems so bad, it just takes a while 
Underneath the rug Another sad reminder Of the ones you're thinking of But I found you I found you We regulate, capitulate Our lives into a hole Down in the mud Together everyone into the fold Let's run away Let's run away, away from here Let's run away, away from here Let's leave this shit behind us And no one will ever find us again Again, again song away away from here thank you luke thanks for taking the time that got a little silly at the end we may have had a few beers and got a little silly and i would like to say that i did call luke about 15 minutes later and then we talked for like another hour and it got even realer and i always like when people explain the stories behind the stories yeah, he's just a cool. He's the coolest dude, Luke. Thank you for taking the time again. I want to remind everybody: you have to follow him on social media because he's as funny as it gets, as cool as it gets. His music is awesome. Thank you, everybody. I hope you stay wonderful and delicious, and I'll talk to you all soon.